0: It's Wednesday, August twelfth. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill joining me in studio today from Motley Fool One and Motley Fool Stock Advisor. All the way from the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, Alex Scherer in the house. Good to see you. Thank you.
1: Thank what you. A brutal drive. What, was it really? No, not at all. It's fine. <laughs> I came in last night. Avoid the
0: traffic. A brutal drive in your <laughs> in your Model S, which we will talk about. Um, I, you know, actually, let's start with something because we were just we were just talking about Shake Shack before we started taping, and and this is more than anything, really, just a a, a public service announcement to our dozens of listeners that we taped this podcast in the middle of the training day, and I think if you're a long time listener, you know that. And yesterday, when we were taping, we were talking about Shake Shack's yeah. results yeah. and and. You know how the stock was being pushed up. And basically, from the time we finished taping to the opening bell this morning. That stock fell about twelve percent. So, depending on when you listen to yesterday's episode, you may be thinking, "Well, I don't know why they're talking about the stock market." That just happens, and it seems like it's happening. It's happening a lot lately. It really it's not does. Just
1: the growth guys. It's the it's the it's the it's the value guys too. It's the stalwarts. It's everybody.
0: Well, I, you know what? I was I was going to start with Alibaba, but let's start with Apple since the, since sure. that was something we, you and I chatted about briefly this mm-hmm. morning and about how. How that was sort of getting hit for the second day in a row. Um, and yet now the, the stock has sort of bounced back up. It's basically flat so far for the day. But, but this is something I, I taped an interview yesterday with Bill Mann, and it's going to run on the radio show this weekend. And one of the things we talked about was China. But I'm, I'm curious what you think when you look at China devaluing their currency. Yep. And if you're Apple, you're selling a lot of stuff in China and you're looking to sell even more stuff and and how concerned are you if you are an Apple shareholder with what's happening with the Chinese currency So if
1: you're Apple you're not worried if you're an Apple shareholder if you're a, if you're a permanent Apple shareholder as my daughter is uh, you're also not worried because whether uh, China China's economy um, you know is slightly lower this year and next year and even the year after that uh, than people thought it was a week ago really isn't going to matter a whole heck of a lot uh, against the mega trend of the growing middle class in China over the sort of you know uh, next five10 20 year period so that's that's not a concern but the reason that the stock is down is I think legitimate for those sort of short-term investors that are worried about whether they're going to pay 12.1 times earnings or 12 point4 times times earnings. And that's because, not that the yuan devaluation is going to have a direct impact on um, Apple's uh, sales, but more what the implications of a yuan de- uh, devaluation are. And that's is the Chinese government saying, we're actually legitimately worried about a uh, significant economic slowdown in our country. And uh, for Apple, you know, China is now, gosh, I think it was 26% of sales uh, the last quarter, 36% of operating profits. Um, so there's two reasons to worry, I think. Number one is that. Uh, in China, uh, which is their fastest growing segment, I think sales grew 71% year, um, uh, year over year for Apple's uh, China sales, uh, is that uh, you know growing middle class, that is sort of the, the crux of the growth story for the China portion of uh, Apple's business. But even more significantly than that, I think, is that this is also uh, a margin story. And to the extent that that slowdown uh, occurs uh, in China, you're going to have some cost pressures uh, on top of sales growth pressures, on top of Pressures uh, as um, you know, uh, Xiaomi and and other competitors uh, continue to rise um, up in China, and it's sort of it's purely an iPhone business for Apple, as opposed to the Americas where it's a, a watch business and a phone business and an iPad business and a computer business, um, and, and and that's why the margin difference is so dramatic. They're doing something like 50 percent operating margins in China versus 30 percent in the Americas, and that's purely on the iPhone. So it's that iPhone sales and um, the high growth of the iPhone sales in China and and whether this uh, yuan devaluation is signaling the uh, you know an economic slowdown.
0: Yeah, I don't make it a habit to look at monthly export numbers out of China, but I, it did catch my eye that, that July two of us. <laughs> that, it did catch my eye that July exports were down more than 8% compared to a year ago. Yeah, That's, That
1: seems to be the direct the direct uh, 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 Yeah, it, it does seem like you can draw a straight today. line from yeah. that
0: number to yeah. the central bank devaluing the currency. Yeah, but
1: I think if you put it in a broader context, you know, it, what we're seeing uh, over the last 2 days is the yuan US dollar exchange rate which has been obviously stable because it's basically a pegged currency for many many years now uh, but but what you're not really considering when you look just at that single currency pair is what China has had has sort of I guess I'll put it in quotes, suffered over the last few years and that is that the fact that they remain have remained pegged to the US dollar as the dollar has strengthened so so dramatically it's as if the Chinese economy is following the Fed um, and allowing their you know currency to appreciate against the rest of the world it's not so much a, a, a us Dollar difference as it is the pressures that that the Chinese uh, government uh, and the economy is feeling, trying to compete with, um, you know, in Japan and the euro and all the rest that are um, uh, that they they are strengthening dramatically against as they peg to the strengthening dollar.
0: Let's stay in China with Alibaba, the Chinese e-commerce giant. Uh, I say giant. It's it's uh, it's certainly smaller than it was six months ago. Uh, second quarter revenue up twenty eight percent, which sounds good, but it seems like the expectations were for more. Uh, and even though they put up a pretty nice profit number, uh, I. Th- they're not growing sales the way that analysts I think were expecting. Yeah, the I think stock, it was a slight. Stock. It was a
1: slight miss on sales. It was a slight miss on gross merchandising volumes, which is another sort of key metric that folks are following um, uh, with Alibaba. But I think the stock's decline today is less has less to do with worries about that slowing growth rate for Alibaba in particular, and probably more having to do with the fact that Alibaba is sort of the, the growth blue chip holding, that if you are participating in this thesis of the growing middle class in China, um, and you want to, and you're a growth investor, and you want to own the stalwart. You know, b- Alibaba is the must-have, and so to the extent that the entire Chinese market is selling off, Alibaba is going to be participating in that. Um, when Alibaba came public, I was very, I was very bearish on it. It just seemed a little bit uh, too expensive for me for a really an un- unknown quantity to m- to most U.S. Uh, investors. At this point, at 28 times earnings for a company that's growing, it's uh, gross merchandising volume thirty four percent, sales around thirty percent, and mobile becoming an increasingly huge piece of this business. Mobile is now fifty five percent of total volumes, and it, it grew one hundred and twenty five percent over the last year. Um, you know, I I think it's a legitimate twenty to twenty five percent long term grower at twenty eight times earnings. Um, the the question of um, The weird ownership structure, being a Chinese company, and you being a U.S. investor. That aside, it seems like a uh, more than fair value for a pretty high-quality sort of stalwart blue chip uh, blue chip grower.
0: Yeah, because you go back to last fall. I mean, it went public in September, and within two months, its market cap was bigger than Walmart's. It was bigger than Amazon.com's, and you know, and at that point, you you just sort of look at it and go, Wait a minute, what? Really? Is it really is it really worth this?
1: Well, you have to remember that so Alibaba actually this is an amazing statistic. I didn't I didn't really conceptualize just how extraordinary this was, but they have an 80% market share in online e-commerce in China. 80% <laughs> Market share, so they are sort of you know they are the participant in that sort of mega trend, the the, the growth of the growing middle class and the and the move to e-commerce online. Do you Chinese suppose
0: and whoever marketing. is in second place markets themselves? <laughs> you know, it's like the old a- Avis rent a car right? uh, ad campaign. We're number two, but we try harder. Like I, I have no idea who's second in online commerce in China, but holy cow!
1: Yeah, it's pretty amazing.
0: Uh, let's uh, let's move on to Tesla Motors. They, they reported earnings last week, and, yep. and there was so much going on, so many earnings stories. We actually didn't get to it.
1: Nobody likes to listen about Tesla, anyways. So.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's it, it certainly uh, it's certainly been a good week if you're bearish on Tesla Motors. If you're if you're if you're it's you know sort of a, eyes, yep. a, a doubter, because uh, the stock down about nine percent over the last week. There, you know, and I the the story that that. Got a lot of legs. I, I think was this whole, you know, they're losing four thousand dollars on every vehicle they produce, and and that sort of thing. And if they're a loss leader on cars, then what is this company? And it's, it's, and I don't own the stock, and I don't drive one of those cars. Um, but I, I still, uh, I, you, I, you lose money on each unit, but you make it up in volume. That's kind of the bearish, <laughs> yeah. bearish story. Well, I, I, I don't say, know. I, I, I guess I'm nonsense. still amazed that there are. Uh, I, you know, by no means do I look at Tesla and say it is a foregone conclusion that this is um, a company, a standalone company. 10, 10 years from now, it might be. It may not it may be. Not be yeah. But, but I, I do look at Elon Musk and think, I want no part of betting against that man.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. Um, if there's a knock for as somebody that's that's bullish on on Tesla, and I own Tesla shares, we have a we have a hold rating on Tesla in our stock advisor um, uh, newsletter. And um, as the price comes down, and as the uh, you know as we get every day closer to the Model X release, and every day closer to the new year, as the when the Gigafactory uh, gets finished, and stationary storage is able to really ramp up as a significant line of business for Tesla, um, that hold rating becomes more. More tenuous because stocks dropping and the prospects are rising, and so um, you know it gets increasingly uh, attractive. But that said, we still have a, a hold on uh, uh, on the company's shares today. But I will say, yes, Tesla. You don't want to bet against Elon Musk. Um, the only real concern I have um, of, on Elon Musk is that Tesla is like his um, second project, and you know he's not going to be known. History will not. Have Tesla uh, as Elon Musk's, um, you know, uh, number one claim to fame. It's not the first line of his obituary. It's not the first line of his obituary. It's it's that he he died on Mars and it wasn't on impact, as he likes to say, and um, you know, and so you know, his true passion, uh, yes, sustainable, uh, sustainable transportation and sustainable energy on Earth is a, a significant passion of his. But his true number one passion is. Uh, SpaceX and sort of making the human race an interplanetary race and 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 so uh, there will come a time and whether it's six years out or or nine years out or or 15 years out but there will come a time when Tesla is a mature company uh, and he doesn't feel the need uh, for you know for his presence anymore and um, you know that's that's the ultra long-term concern for Tesla
0: so the model X is the that's the
1: SUV that's coming out in about I think about six or eight weeks. Okay. Um,
0: what is the price point? Do we it's going know to be this same, it's
1: the same it's gonna be same to very slightly above what the Model S is. They are they're developed on the same Platform. They're both large luxury vehicles. The Model S is the large luxury sedan. The Model S is the large luxury SUV. So it'd be equivalent to like the BMW 5 Series versus the BMW X5. You know? So the price points are going to be uh, very similar, although the Model X is going to be all wheel drive for all their vehicles. And so it's going to be a little bit more expensive.
0: And what is the Mass market vehicle that they're working on. What is what is the that? Model, Im-
1: that's that's Model Three. They're talking about 2017 okay. uh, release for that, but they haven't hit a deadline yet. So you know, 2018, 2019, whatever the case may be. The real excitement that I think that came out of last week's earnings call on the on that sort of longer term front uh, was a really interesting insight that a Morgan Stanley analyst named Adam Jonas had, uh, where he got on the call and and said to Elon Musk, "Listen, you know, uh, we've got a quote in the paper that." Um, the ceo of uber has said if tesla is indeed able to make a fully autonomous uh, vehicle by t- by 2020 and produce 500,000 units which is what tesla's ambition is we will buy all of them we we would like to buy <laughs> all of them and so and so adam uh, jonas followed up t- uh, to say I- is that something you would do would you sell it all to uber or would you just take your autonomous cars and Open up a, a service that competes with Uber, you know, a, a, a ride-sharing service of your own, the, of these fully this fleet of fully autonomous vehicles that you're producing. And Elon Musk just paused and said, "That's a very insightful question. I don't think I'm going to answer it." <laughs> <laughs> So you know uh, that that's the thing about being a, a, a Tesla investor is that it's you know it's exciting to follow, um, but if you are somebody who likes uh, the assurance of current earnings, or if you like the uh, assurance of a stable business model, that's not something you're going to get in Tesla. This is a this is some this is a company that's building brand new businesses that are absolute industry um, destroyers. Um, you know, and have a lot of potential, but with giant uh, potential comes giant risks.
0: You know, it's interesting. For years, we have talked about the battle for the living room and all the moving parts and all the different players. And it, it is, for me anyway, one of the more interesting battles in the business world. But the, based on what you just said, I think the battle for the road between automakers and Uber and you know, city governments, mm-hmm. state governments, etc. I think the battle for the road is is quickly moving up the charts in terms of interesting ones to watch. Thanks for being here. Absolutely, thanks for having me. As always, people in the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against certain so buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.